All right. Hi. Uh, I, some of you uh, are, are familiar to me. Some of you are new faces. But uh, let me just start off by saying this microphone is way too small for my big head. So, um, I mean, it's not even close. There's like, that's supposed to be over my ear. I don't, um, <laughs> so if, if you see me like fidgeting with it, that's because I just don't want it to fall off um, during the middle of, of me talking to you. Um, but this morning, we're finishing up our Truth Matters series, and uh, I have to make a confession. I have a, a love for man-on-the-street videos. You know, you know this genre of video? There's a guy with a microphone, and he goes around and he asks people questions. Um, they do it a lot on uh, late-night TV shows or news shows. Um, the the late-night TV shows, it's usually to, you know, make fun of the person they're talking to. They'll make up, I don't know if you've seen that, I think they do it on uh, Jimmy Kimmel. They'll make up fake news stories and ask people about them to get to, to speak about the, the fake news. Um, it's great, it's hilarious, but today's video is, uh, it's, you may have seen it, it's kind of going around social media right now, uh, you may not have seen it if you don't ever get on Facebook or anything like that, but, oh, here it is behind me. So, uh, this guy, he's going to go out and he's going to ask some questions, he's at Washington uh, University, University of Washington, I guess, however it goes, um, and he's asking questions about whether um, it's, it's right or wrong or okay for someone who associates with a different gender than they are to use a restroom of the other gender. Uh, and, and that's an issue right now that's happening across our country. It's happening in Washington State. Um, and he just kind of, you know, takes this, the question and takes it a step further and goes, you know, is this right? Is this wrong? So let's go ahead and play that video. Talk about identity lately. But how far does it go? And is it possible to be wrong? We went to the University of Washington to find out. Are you aware of the debate happening in Washington State around um, the ability to access bathrooms, locker rooms, spas based on gender identity and gender expression? I I think people should be able to have access to the facility. I think uh, bathrooms could and potentially should be gender neutral because there doesn't need to be a classification for differences. I think people definitely should have the ability to go into whichever locker room they want. Uh, I feel like at least public universities should do their best to accommodate for those who do not have a specific uh, gender identity. You know, whether you identify as male or female and whether your sex at birth is matching to that, you should be able to utilize the resources. So if I told you that I was a woman, what would your response be? Good for you. Okay. Like, (laughs) yeah. Nice to meet you. I'll be like, what? (laughs) Really? I don't have a problem with it. I'd ask you how you came to that conclusion. If I told you that I was Chinese, what would your response be? I mean, I might be a little surprised, but I would say, good for you. Like, yeah, be who you are. (laughs) I would maybe think you had some Chinese ancestor. I would ask you how you similarly came to that conclusion and why you came to that conclusion. Um, I would have a lot of questions just because on the outside I would assume that you're a white man. If I told you that I was seven years old, what would your response be? Um, I wouldn't believe that immediately. Uh, I probably wouldn't believe it, but I mean, I it wouldn't really bother me that much to go out of my way and tell you no, you're wrong. I'd just be like, oh, okay, he wants to say he's seven years old. If you feel seven at heart, then 
<laughs> then so be it. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> so if I wanted to enroll in a first grade class, do you think I should be allowed to? Uh, probably not, I guess. I mean, unless you haven't completed first grade up to this point and for some reason need to do that now. If that's where you feel, like, mentally you should be, then I feel like there are communities that would accept you for that. I would say so long as you're not hindering society and you're not causing harm to other people, I feel like that should be an okay thing. If I told you I'm six feet, five inches, what would you say? That I would question. Why? (laughs) Because you're not. (laughs) No, I don't think you're six foot five. If you truly believed you're six five, I don't think it's harmful. I think it's fine if you believe that. It doesn't matter to me if you think you're taller than you are. So you'd be willing to tell me I'm wrong? I wouldn't tell you you're wrong. No, but I say that um, I don't think that you are. I feel like that's not my place as, like, another human to say someone is wrong or to draw lines or boundaries. No, I mean, I wouldn't just go, like, oh, you're wrong. Like, that's wrong to believe in it. Because, I mean, again, it doesn't really bother me what you want to think about your height or anything. So I can be a Chinese woman. You... (laughs) Um... Sure. But I can't be a six foot five Chinese woman. Yes. If you thoroughly debated me or explained why you felt that you were six foot five, uh, I feel like I would be very open to saying that you were six foot five or Chinese or a woman. It shouldn't be hard to tell a five nine white guy that he's not a six foot five Chinese woman. But clearly it is. Why? What does that say about our culture? And what does that say about our ability to answer the questions that actually are difficult? All right. So I, <laughs> it seems like you enjoyed that video. Um, uh, it was interesting. There were, there were moments where I heard lots of laughter and then moments where it was just like, oh, oh, they, oh, that's what they said. Um, and they, they, I don't know if they believe it or not, but that's what they said. Um, so I guess the question is, uh, after watching this video, why is it so hard to establish right from wrong? Why, why do we as a culture have a hard time telling someone that something is just not true or, or that their belief about something is incorrect? Um, and this is, this is obviously a, you know, uh, a, an extreme way of pointing that out. Um, but why do we have trouble doing that? Why do we um, have trouble saying what's right from wrong? Um, and it's, and it's, it's something that's, that's really holding us back um, as a body of believers. Um, we, we, uh, oftentimes, it's easier for us to just go along to get along with the, the agenda of, of society, um, because we don't want to get in a confrontation. Maybe we don't want to, to have an issue with someone else. I think that's definitely part of it. And in this series of Truth Matters, uh, that's a big thing. Like, are we willing to stand up and be bold for the truth? Are we willing to say when something is sin, is sin? And are we willing to call people out on it? Um, and that's a, that's a tough thing to do. But today in, in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, that's exactly 
what Paul is saying to Timothy. So we're going to be uh, in verses 1 through 5 of chapter 4, 2 Timothy. And it says in verse 1, uh, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Okay, so we're going to stop real quick. First off, Paul is laying down the ultimate charge here. He, and he's bringing God into the equation to Timothy. He's saying, listen, this is a big deal. Here's your charge. And you're going to be judged. You're going to be watched. You're going to be observed by God. God is your judge in this, whether you do this or not. And then he goes on to say, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. So if you have um, a NASB like me, which I don't know if you do or not, um, that's, that's what it says. If you have an ESV, it says something very similar. If you have an NIV, okay, I kind of like the translation a little better there. It actually says, correct, rebuke, and encourage. That's a little easier for me to understand, at least, than reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Um, So, uh, first off, Paul is saying to Timothy, preach the word. Like, that is is his first uh, command. He says, this is something you need to do. And a lot of times, when we think about preaching the word, we think about what I'm doing right now, or what Brett or what David does. Okay, we think of um, people who uh, gather together, and we see, you know, teaching in large groups, or maybe in small groups even, we see that kind of thing. But preaching the word here can take on a different meaning. It's not just this kind of preaching of the word, but it's also just any kind of communication about the gospel to someone else. So, even though you may not be uh, a church staff member or someone who even uh, leads a small group, if you're just someone who uh, is just part of a small group or you're, you're visiting here this morning or anything like that, this address that Paul has for Timothy also applies to you, not just clergy members. Okay? Um, a lot of times we talk about, we refer to First uh, and Second Timothy and Titus as the... Um, the uh, pastoral epistles, um, because it, it does teach a lot on um, leadership in the church, elders, uh, deacons, things like that, and that's, that's referenced a lot, but we can apply this instance um, to every person in the church. Every believer needs to preach the word. So how do we do that? It's in season and out of season. Okay? So we need to be ready in every moment to, uh, to preach the word. So um, when I think of like in season and out of season, always being ready, vigilant, that kind of thing, um, I think of uh, the tomb of the unknown soldier. Okay? If you, if you don't know what this is, this is... Um, it's up in uh, Arlington, Virginia, at the, the National Cemetery. And there's a tomb, this monument, that's made for soldiers who, throughout many wars, um, 
in our country's history dating back to World War I who their body was not be able to be identified. So they don't know who they were. They don't know whose family they were. Um, and so they, they're buried here or, or they're, they're in memory here, okay? Um, but there's an interesting thing about this. It started way back in World War I, and uh, when they first made it, there was, it was just, you know, like any other tomb in a cemetery. Um, but now they have people that guard it 24-7, literally all the time, rain or shine, anything. People are, there's always a soldier in front of it guarding. You ask why? That seems like a little much. Well, uh, back when it was first started, uh, way back in the 20s, they actually had people who would come up there and have picnics there because there was a nice view. Um, and I don't know about you, you probably don't want people having a picnic on your family member's gravesite. Um, that's basically the army said, hey, wait, let's do something about this. Let's put a soldier here just all the time. And so it's very interesting. If you've ever seen videos of this or pictures, these, these soldiers, and they, they rotate, but they, they face the tomb, and they're all dressed out, and they got their, their rifle, and everything they do is in increments of 21, like 21 seconds or 21 steps. So they face the tomb. They look at it. They're in you know, their position. They count to 21 in their head. Then they about face or whatever, switch the rifle around, count to 21, and then take 21 steps, and then face the tomb again. 21 seconds. Turn, wait 21 seconds, 21 steps back. And they do that for hours, and they rotate in shifts. And I don't think there's a big threat of anyone coming up to this tomb. I don't think it's a big concern. I don't think people even really think about it most of the time. But... They're always ready to defend it um, in case someone wants to have a picnic. I don't know. Um, but but it's, it's always being watched. They're always on guard. So this is the, the mindset that Paul says to Timothy, the mindset that we need to have. Always be ready um, because you don't want to have to get ready. You just want to be ready, okay? Um, and so what are we... What are we always ready for in season? To correct, rebuke, and encourage. So these are, this is where truth, being bold, comes into play here. If, if we don't correct those who are living a way they shouldn't, who are acting a way they shouldn't, who, who, have, who have sin in their life, and this just doesn't apply to... Um, Non-believers, this is everyone, right? This is non-believers, believers. Correct kind of holds that tone of instructing of what is right from wrong. Teaching people about what is right from wrong. Rebuke is that idea of saying, hey, what you're doing, you need to stop it because that's violating the law of God. And then encourage is encouraging these people to turn, to, to repent and to live a life of godliness. And it's very interesting. Paul has this little note at the end. With great patience and instruction. It says teaching in other translations. With great patience and teaching. So this, is, this doesn't come from a place 
of anger. This doesn't come from a place of self-righteousness. This doesn't come from a place of uh, disrespect. Excuse me, this is a splash zone right here. Um, this comes from a place of, of love, of wanting to see people grow, to see people change. And, and Paul says this because of what's coming in 3 and 4. Let's go ahead and read that. For the time will come, well, they will not endure sound doctrine, but waiting to have their ears tickled, they, are accumulate, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. So, we saw in the video people saying, hey, you can be what you want to be, you can do what you want to do, I don't care that what's good for you is, is fine with me, just don't bother me. Okay? This, this idea is, is it, it sounds really great. It's like, if I don't care what other people do, and I don't condemn that, then maybe they won't condemn what I do, and people won't judge me. But you don't grow from that. You don't, you, that's not a healthy way to live. Um, but that's a, a teaching that we see. It comes from our culture. Our culture has this idea of relative truth, like what's good for you is good for me. And you've heard that, uh, I assume. You've heard relative truth, things like that. But that's, that's like the standard now. That's not um, something that's, you know, in college campuses and they only believe it there. That's, a, that's everywhere, right? You know this in your workplaces and, and things like that. Um, but they want their ears to be tickled. They want to hear what they want to hear. How does this look in our churches? We see this with prosperity gospel teaching, um, the idea that, that God uh, wants uh, me to be, you know, wealthy and healthy, and, and not that God doesn't want you to be healthy, but, uh, but that God wants you to be, uh, God is like your, your, uh, your heavenly ATM, so to speak, Right? God, I really need uh, a new car. Um, not that my car is bad or broken. I just really wish I had this better car. Um, God, please give me the financial means to get this thing. Or, or I wish I made more money. Um, not that I'm in a bad place financially, but it would be great if I could be on the next rung. You know, um, prosperity gospel. We have teachers who, who denounce the idea that sin even exists. That there is no such thing as sin. Um, and that when, when you believe such a thing, if there's no sin, there's no need for forgiveness. This is, this is just absolutely false teaching. And it's out there. And the list goes on and on. We could, we could talk you know, a whole uh, series about false teaching. But, but the reason for verses 1 and 2, where... where Paul gives the, the charge to Timothy, preach the word, always be ready, correct, rebuke, and encourage, is because Paul knows that there will be false beliefs, that people will want to do things different than the truth. But Paul says, you've got to be bold with truth. Verse 5, our last verse for the day, says, but be sober, but you, he's talking to Timothy, 
obviously. Uh, but you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So, this is Paul talking to Timothy. But this is Paul talking to all believers. Because there's nothing here that's limited to just Timothy. Sure, this is, this is a, a direct charge at a direct time. It was specific to him, but we can get something from this. I want us to focus on the last part there. Fulfill your ministry. Every person in here has a ministry. It's, and it's unique. It may not look too different than the person to the right or the left of you, because you probably live in Georgetown, Texas, and you know a lot of the same people, and God has you in the same circle of friends, and you're ministering to those people. But you have a unique ministry. And, and everything you see in this, he's talking to you. Preach the word. Always be ready. Correct. Rebuke. Encourage. You do this because we live in a culture that doesn't know truth from a lie and doesn't even want to believe the truth. How are you going to sit there and say that I'm just going to go with the flow? I'm not going to worry about my neighbor. I'm not going to worry about myself and what what lies I believe because there is truth out there. And we can see it in this book. So fulfill your own ministry. It says do the work of an evangelist. This is not meaning the title of like Billy Graham is an evangelist. He's a very gifted person. He is what we would call an evangelist by title. But every person can be an evangelist. That just means telling people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Specifically here, it does not refer to it as a title. Um, So that's what I want you to see. I want you to see, here's the bottom line, um, that great ministry requires bold truth. We cannot accomplish things in ministry if we're not bold about truth. This whole series, Truth Matters, Truth matters for ministry. It matters for your ministry. It matters for how you interact with people. If you don't embrace truth, then you're probably not going to have a successful ministry. Um, you're probably, you might look successful to the world. Maybe you'll have a little people listen to you um, because that's that whole idea about, you know, they want to hear their, their ears tickled, right? A lot of people who don't speak truth have a lot of people who follow them. <laughs> um, But for this situation, great ministry requires bold truth. So we're going to wrap up here, give these guys some time for uh, questions. But there's two things I want to challenge you with. The first thing is that uh, embrace the idea that everyone has a ministry. So, So find out what that is for you. If you don't know what it is, pray that God shows it to you. Um, and it might be easier than you think to identify it. 
It's probably the people you already know. Um, God wants you to minister to, to pretty much anyone. I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of the gospel. We're to reach all people. So, first thing, find out what your ministry is. Get involved. Do it. That, and that may be, God says, I want you to, to work with students. I want you to work with children. Um, that may be um, lead one of these small groups that are getting huge. Um, I'm sure Brett reminds you that all the time. Um, but, or maybe it's just, hey, I come to church. I'm involved, but I'm going to be more intentional about how I express my faith outside of church. Um, and the last thing is sometime this week, and I'm going to try this too, <laughs> um, uh, and it should be something we do often, but engage in a conversation with someone who doesn't believe the same as you and, and go for the hard topics, right? And just have a discussion. Talk about something that, that they believe that maybe you believe differently because of your faith in Christ. That's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. Um, you have to commit to do it. And I guarantee that now that uh, I've said this, um, there's going to be a time this week where you're going to go, oh, man, here's an opportunity. This person is talking about this. I could talk about this. And it could easily you could just brush it away. You could just go, I'm not going to talk about it. That's fine. Marshall wouldn't know. <laughs> and I wouldn't. Um, but that's the challenge. Engage in a conversation that's difficult. And, and I know that Brett talked about uh, you can't argue someone to believe. Uh, I think that was one of his points. I'm not saying have an argument where you're trying to convince someone. I'm just saying have a conversation. Because a lot of times, uh, people in our culture, uh, they think they know what we believe. Um, but if you actually talk about your beliefs, you'd be surprised uh, that they might respect your belief. Um, or... Maybe they have a misunderstanding about something you believe. And that would just be a great conversation uh, that maybe could lead to something deeper. But that is, uh, those are the challenges. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have questions in your small group. So uh, pray with me.